The Town Whispers is a narrative horror podcast that will tell the many stories hidden behind the rain and the fog in the trees of the Pacific Northwest. But it's those scampering things, those talon-tipped toes that click and clack on hard floors in the dark with little explanation that are why listener discretion is advised. chop wood. Tails, I deal with the rat traps. James watched as the coin spun in the air. He loved that split second in time. As the coin spun so fast it looked like it stood still, just hanging there in the air, right when it hit its apex before falling. Gravity pulling his lucky coin out of its little pocket in space and time where the laws of the universe seemed not to touch its pitted metal edges. And he relished the way it stung his thumb as he flicked it into the air. He could feel the spot where his nail had struck the coin for minutes after it was uncomfortable. But it was his discomfort. His coin in a world where he owned little else. And then there was the anticipation, knowing the coin had made its decision sitting there in his palm, just waiting to reveal his path. James loved that excited anxiety, knowing his fate had been decided and there he stood waiting for it to wash over him. Finally, with the finality that each ticking second passing in time brought, the birth, life, and death of a god gone in the blink of an eye. James slapped his lucky coin to the back of his hand and slowly peeled back his fingers. Ah, oh, rat traps it is. Not his first choice, but his lucky coin was never wrong. The church was well kept and maintained but worn in and shoddy mostly everywhere a person could look. The gutters held fast to the eaves with the reliability of overzealous and enthusiastic craftsmanship, but they were constantly filled with leaves and spilled water from unintended places when it rained. The front steps were large laid stones, the marks of their master's chisel still proudly presented on the face of the rocks, but the top looked like green bowed wood and when walked upon it looked as if they should have some give to them. 
but they were cold and unforgiving underfoot. And despite Heaven Hill, the name which the townsfolk affectionately called the mound of dirt which the church proudly sat atop, being home to more than a couple stray cats, and despite the heartbreaking work that James went through to keep the meager grounds clear, there were always rats. Fat and loud, James could hear them nightly, scampering in the pitch black of night, which admittedly was his own fault as he, for one reason or another, had taken to dragging his small blanket and pillow out onto the pews and sleeping in the warm and well-loved wood benches. Had he stayed in his closet-like room to sleep, they'd probably be less of an issue, James had concluded. But his room was claustrophobic, suffocating, just from the heat of his own breath with no window in its tight walls, it would be blazing hot by midnight. Out on the pews, though, James could breathe. The breeze which seeped into the main congregation area was soothing, and when it rained, Oh, when it rained, the sound of those tiny wet hammers striking the roof was heaven. That subtle, consistent drone. It never failed to send James to sleep. James had decided to start outside first and work his way in. So, with his recycled burlap sack in hand... He began to rummage between amateurly kept hedges looking for those awkward rectangular shaped boxes. He pulled the edge of the foliage away and gingerly tapped his toe about peering in as he searched. It wasn't the edge of the box he found first though. James had found the rubber feeling tail of a dead rat under his boot. Smelling it as he reached down he grabbed the trap by the rubber tail sticking awkwardly out below the spring shut door. The rat was clearly dead, its fur slick with wet grime trapped tightly in the box. As James, with bare hands, pulled back the spring which held the door shut, he could feel the tail start to pull uncomfortably against the wet and malleable skin of the rat, like wet paper. <gasps> oh. oh, James hated cleaning the rat traps. And, as a rule, left it for Albert or some good Samaritan looking to score points with the big fella upstairs. But it was his own mistake for leaving the choice up to his lucky coin. Once his fate had been chosen, he would not and could not choose otherwise. That was the rule. Break the rules. Face the consequence. That was the game he played when he was left all alone as he was so frequently, and to break the rules would be to break the game, and to break the game was no fun. So James played along with his own imagined game of fate. Once the three traps and the hedges were cleared, he moved to the back of the church where the wood pile was not so neatly piled against the back wall, and did the same choosing instead to grab the traps instead of any possible appendages poking out from the trap, but emptying those slick dead rats into his burlap sack all the same. After he was done outside, he moved to clearing the traps in the church, which admittedly meant his job was more than half done, but the bag was getting awfully heavy and the heat of the indoors made the rats stink in a special way that was 
even more repulsive than the wet, slick grime that covered the rats that were otherwise preserved in the cold outdoors. And then last, but not least, it was time to go into the cellar. Oh god, had there ever been a cellar that existed in the whole world that didn't send shivers up spines? James wondered as he moved into a room behind the pulpit through an often forgotten door where a large wood furnace that heated or attempted to heat the congregation on Sundays sat otherwise unused and neglected most of the week. To the right of the furnace sat a trap door with no wood covering. James never knew what happened to the door part of the aforementioned trap door, and he'd never asked, instead enjoying the mystery of it. Trap doors were a mainstay in the tension-filled stories James loved reading in the odd copy of The Argent that filtered its way into the donation box at the church. Despite her age, it was always Ruth McMillan, the elderly widow who owned the fort's one and only knit shop, aptly named Ruth's who donated those pulp magazines to the church. He thought it was weird that Ruth of all people was the one donating copies of The Argent, a magazine consisting of stories with revenge-filled war heroes, ghosts, and overly descriptive romances. But as if to ground her scandalous reading choices, of course she always tossed it in with a sweater, a toque, or a pair of socks which she'd knitted. There was an edge to Ruth, James liked to imagine. A young woman stuck underneath all those wrinkles and the weight of time that begged to be taken from the fort to live out some forbidden romance, plagued by a legion of undead which sought to tear them asunder. Either way, James loved those well-read and well-worn copies of the Argent and stole them before Albert could use them as fire starters any time he saw them. And it was those stories published in that pulp magazine that fueled his imaginative speculation regarding the missing door to the trap door. In preparation for church the next morning, the wood furnace was already blazing hot, which meant that he would have to get uncomfortably close to the furnace, feeling the scalding waves of heat batter his face as he lowered himself into the basement. The furnace was clearly placed with little thought to the entrance to the cellar, and the room itself was not built with a furnace in mind, it of course being a later addition to the church. James heaved the burlap sack off the ground, groaning from the weight, and as he did, eyed the furnace with what seemed at the time to be a brilliant idea to him. Popping his hand into the makeshift glove to protect his palm from the heat of the furnace door's handle, he opened it, feeling the full force of the heat rush at him. Gingerly, he opened the bag and reached in. Grabbing a rat by the paw, he pulled it out, trying not to dirty his hands any more than he already had, and flung the first dead rat into the flames of the furnace. He could hear the wet of the fur sizzle and then what he imagined to be its eyes, giving two tiny little pops in between the crackling of the flame. Then James threw in a second, and a third, and a fourth dead rat. 
the bag was half empty when the sound of the cooking flesh was loud enough to register in his mind. It sizzled and hissed, and with a wave of panic, James for a second thought that they were alive and screaming with their tiny voices through the flames, before realizing it was only the sound of the fat beginning to burn. Either way, he felt regretful and resolved to uncharacteristically bury the rest once he was done. Regret or not, though, the bag was lighter and easier to heave down the makeshift ladder into the cellar. The ladder having been built with less attention to detail than the gutters or the stone steps leading up to the front door of the church creaked loudly underfoot, threatening to fall apart with each step down. The floor of the cellar was unfinished hard-packed dirt that was largely frozen save for a thin film of frost-bitten filth which had melted from the blazing furnace above. James was too lazy to have grabbed a lamp before descending into the cellar, which meant he moved about by touch and memory. Waving his hands in the air, finding the workbench, and then the wall opposite the ladder, looking for the corner of the pitch-black cellar. Having not grabbed a lamp, he did the best he could to swallow the fear and chills that existed hand in hand with the hidden room beneath the floorboards. Ah! His hand felt the 90 degree turn in the wall, which if he was correct was exactly where he'd left the last trap. He kicked out lightly and heard the clatter of wood and metal hit the stone foundation. There it was. James rested the half-full burlap sack on the ground as he bent down to pick up the trap. His fingers grabbed at the familiar edges, but as he picked it up off the ground, it was heavier than he had expected. Holy, that must be a massive rat, he thought. As he moved his hand to pull back the springs, he brushed against a piece of the rat jutting out from the trap. It startled him and gave him that familiar nausea that he had felt earlier, but it didn't feel like that unmistakable rat fur. He felt a tingle run along his skin as he stood there in the dark with the sensation of unknowing setting his hairs to stand on end. It doesn't take much standing in the dark to unsettle and unnerve and James stood there motionless as the gravity of something unfamiliar lay motionless and trapped in that spring-loaded box. One part of James wanted to run and vomit and cry, while another was curious and daring. And of course there was the magic of the coin to consider. The coin had never led him astray, and it had chosen the rat traps over chopping wood, and what if that was meant to lead him there? Oh, who is he kidding? It was meant to lead him there. There being the cellar was the inevitable conclusion of his chores, the part he always saved to last. His hand shook, holding the heavy trap box. The other hand, equally as unnerved and unsteady, drifted slowly through the thick darkness. He wasn't sure where the edge of whatever it was ensnared began, and 
not knowing when his fingers would make contact only heightened his anxiety. As his hand drifted slowly towards... <laughs> oh jeez, he startled himself of his something, waited to snap at his fingers, but touching it in that moment, James knew it was dead. Its skin was cold. Skin, not fur. Peculiar. It was dry and scaly as James gingerly ran his finger along what he assumed was a leg. He felt scabs that were slightly damp to the touch. And then there were those tiny rat-like claws. But his imagination must have been running wild in the dark, James thought to himself, because the claws felt as if they were attached to tiny human hands. Deeply unsettled and wanting to escape the dark confines of the cellar, James hurriedly released the spring, pulling back the hinge door, pulling the creature out of the trap and raised it to eye level, hoping by the light that filtered in weak through the trap door from the furnace to see something or identify what it was before he ran out. Two impossibly large eyes caught the light glimmering like onyx in the dark. Oh no! James's heart nearly hurtled up his throat in out of his body at the unexpected voice. Whoa, what the hell? I'm... I mean, sir. Sorry, sir, but you're not allowed to be back here. James said as his eyes searched the dark, addressing the voice as kindly as he could but caught completely off guard. Hoping and praying it wasn't a thing called a vampire he'd read about in the latest worn issue of the Argent he'd obtained from the donation box. You found him, oh, Paul Theodore. Yes, Theodore, my pet. Yes, my pet, who ran away. And you found him. How lucky. However, can I reward your kindness? James's searching eyes found the man, standing slightly hunched on the bottom rung of the ladder, with one foot firmly planted on the floor of the cellar, his face silhouetted by the light of the furnace above. The angles of his cheeks and nose escaped the light, but his eyes shone brightly as if illuminated from within, and his grin stood against the darkness with foul contrast. Oh, I didn't do anything really, sir. I, uh, I'm not sure how lucky it is either. I, I think your pet is dead. No matter, no matter. Tell me, how can I reward your kindness? Sir, I... No, no, no. I insist. Tell me what you want most in the world. 
the words rung in James's ears hypnotically as the man stepped closer and closer, swaying gently to and fro as he made his way closer. Then words escaped James's lips before he even knew he was speaking. A friend. The man's outline was now more obscured by the dark, but his eyes pierced through James as the black of the room began to swim and squirm like ghostly wriggling worms. The man's hands closed around the dead creature and pulled it out of James's tight grip. A friend. Everyone needs a friend. I came here looking for Reverend Albert. I was his friend when no one else in the world loved him. Has he told you about me before? James shook his head slowly, completely immersed in that mesmerizing voice. He didn't rationalize that perhaps the man wouldn't be able to see the gesture in the unlit cellar. But he had. Good. The stranger, with his dead pet in hand, began to retreat back to the ladder. Let me see what I can do about finding you a friend. James. Today's episode was written and performed by Cole Weavers. Sound production and editing by Matt Black. Our theme song is by the ever-wonderful Charlie P.S. The Fort is built on secrets and shadows, on unspoken truths and the designs of the long shadows whoever they may be, but it's also built on the support of its townsfolk. Would you like to support our tiny little monstrosity of a town by mending the roof of the church or keeping the doors of the sanatorium for the lost and unwanted open? Or perhaps you'd rather help build a mausoleum for the ones who will never die. In thanks for your support, and for only a few dollars a month, you'll receive episodes of The Town Whispers released early and forever ad-free, as well as exclusive short stories and one-shots to expand your knowledge of what lays dormant and watching under the earth. Would you like to see, with your own frail eyes that can only see what can be imagined by the goodness of a heart drenched in humanity by receiving digital rewards at the visual variety? All this and more will be revealed on our Patreon. Please consider joining us at www.patreon.com slash the town whispers. If you would like to support us in other ways, please consider following us on Facebook and Instagram and on Twitter at the town whispers or by leaving a five-star review wherever you listen to podcasts. For more information on the show, please head on over to www.thetownwhispers.com.
so 